Welcome and thank you for joining Save Our Sisters Unplugged. If you're looking for a sisterhood of intelligent women to network with, then this is a podcast for you. We'll be letting our hair down and spilling all the tea on an array of topics and gain insight into what women really think. My name is Noreen Foy and I'll be your host. Now let's get started. No one is in control of your happiness but you. Therefore, you have the power to change anything about your life or yourself that you want to change. Welcome to another episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, man, I've been through some stuff? I have. As I get older, I think of all the things I've been through in my life and I wonder how I made it through. Without God's grace, I would have been in some real trouble. My life's journey wasn't the greatest or the easiest, but I did it. I wasn't always in control of my life and it made me feel very anxious. When I was younger, I was that cute kid that never smiled because I never felt like I had anything to smile about. People would always say, smile now, you're so pretty. But when I got older, that smile was to hide what I was really going through. And I didn't want anyone to see any of that. But before I get into all of that, let me tell you a little bit about myself first. I'm a woman of God, and I try my best to treat people the way I wanted to be treated, with respect. I do have my moments, but don't judge me. He's not true with me yet. He has a big, big job. I'm happily married, and for you Bible readers, this man is my Boaz. He's my prayer partner, my core support system, my contractor, my personal IT consultant, my best friend, and above all, he is God's desire for my heart. I have three beautiful adult children, a 26-year-old daughter, a 25-year-old son, and a 22-year-old daughter. I'm also a Mimi of three, two six-year-olds, a grandson and a granddaughter. Nope, they're not twins. They're eight months apart, but you would never know it between the two of them. And I also have a one-year-old grandson, And they're all keeping me very young and very busy. I prefer to call me Mimi because (laughs) I'm nobody's greasy granny, honey. I have an associate's and a bachelor's degree in business. And I've been gainfully employed for 16 years at a logistics company who leads in the manufacturing of construction and mining equipment. Things are pretty good now, but I haven't been this refined woman you're listening to today. For you to understand where I'm going with this, let me take you back to the beginning by sharing with you my journey to taking control of my life. I was born on a beautiful Caribbean island of St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands to two very conservative and strict parents. We weren't the Brady Bunch by far. My parents weren't playful people. They were disciplinarians. We couldn't go to play, we couldn't go on field trips, talk on the phone, talk to people outside of the family, ride the school bus, nothing. They were more the, you better bring home straight A's and do your chores without being prompted kind of people. You know what I'm saying? There were nine kids in the home and one bathroom. Yes, you heard that. One bathroom. So you know it was very crowded. I was child number six of nine. And with so many people in the house... I never felt loved. I felt invisible. As a result, I was always a shy and withdrawn girl. I became more of an observer then. I saw a lot happening at home, and I always thought our parents hated us so much. 
Someone was always being beaten for a variety of reasons. Bad grades, talking to someone of the opposite sex, coming home a shade darker from being in the sun, you name it, it was happening. And over the years, we all went to schools with so many welts on our bodies from the rope we were being beaten with, and no one did anything. Well, the kids did something. They laughed. They thought it was funny that we were being beaten to that extreme. The grown-ups, they turned a blind eye. I never felt safe anywhere, and I never trusted anyone. The people who were supposed to protect me failed me. And I always thought, God, where are you? Why are you allowing this to happen? This is not how parents should act. This is not how adults should act. But despite all that, I managed to learn some things from my parents. Mom taught me how to be a great manager. I watched her manage the household, the finances, the chores, and still managed to sew clothes and make cakes for other people. That was her side hustle. I also watched um, her manage dad too. She would press his clothes for the week and every morning she would set him up with a hot breakfast ready as soon as he came out of the bath and she had his lunch packed by the time he was ready to head out the door. Also, having eight brothers and sisters, you quickly learn how to be part of a team. I didn't think of that as a life skill then, but I now see where it shows up in my professional life. Dad, he was always working. He had a steady job in construction and some home improvement and tiling jobs. He always told us never to expect others to do for us what we can do for ourselves. Always take pride in your work, no matter if you're doing it for yourself or someone else, and always pay attention to the details. They matter. Because of him, I can read house plans, lay tiles, mix concrete, you name it. He also had a great sense of community. Never saw anyone in need and didn't help. So helping people is in my DNA. Now, although my parents weren't the hands-on type, there were moments that I remember feeling like, yes, a good day. Now, for me, those times always happened when the lights weren't out. Oh, I loved it when the lights went out. It's an island thing, so that happened every now and then. But Dad would tell us all these stories of when he was a young boy growing up in the British Virgin Islands, and then Mom would chime in with a few stories of her own. Those stories always mesmerized me and I always transformed myself as if I was physically there with them having the same experience. I've since realized that there's some good people in there and their behavior had to be learned behavior. And then I thought about what their childhood must have been like and I got really sad for them, you know, because no one deserved that, not even them. But despite the skills that I've learned from my parents, someone finally reported the abuse at the home. I went to bed that night, and the next night, I slept in a stranger's bed in foster care. And that was all a few weeks before my 14th birthday. There's more to that painful story, but for the sake of time, I will keep it high level from my experience only. I used to pray to God so many times to get me out of that house. Well, he kept his word. No one told me what was going on, asked me how I felt, nothing. I had no control, and there's just nothing I could do. Here I was in a home where I never felt welcomed and again, I never felt safe. They never spoke to me and just like home, we weren't allowed to have a life. They had no empathy, sympathy or give damn for me or my situation. They were in it for the money. We ate every day, but the money they received, they kept. In the two years I was there, I got one new outfit. Now, 
for a 14 year old girl, now you know how we are, okay? We need more than one outfit. But I had to, I had a small rotation and I had to make it work. But the only good times that I had there was when I got to go to the beach with them and when I met the neighbor's daughter. She was around my age and we used to meet on the big rock between our houses and we would just sit there and just talk for hours about any and everything. You know, those were some really good times. You know, we talked about when we were going to be adults, how we would have husbands and how we would be with our kids, you know, and those times made all the bad times even better. You know, we are still friends to this day, but because if it wasn't for her, I'd lose my mind in the house. My foster mother's brother came for a visit one time for a couple of days. And I guess, you know, she told him why I was there. Now, I don't know what was going on through his mind because the next thing I know, I'm in my room minding my own business and here he comes trying to kiss me. She saw him through the window and as she came marching in, beating him and screaming at him, Oh my God, what are you doing? Oh my God. By the time I woke up for school the next day, he was gone on the next thing smoking. She know her husband asked me if I was okay. They never apologized, and most importantly, they never protected me. They were only concerned with getting into trouble with DCFS. And to this day, I hate a scruffy bear to touch my face. It's a trigger for sure. Again, I prayed to God to remove you from this place. He granted me my wish. And again, be careful what you wish for. I was happy that one of my family members took me from that place and whisked me away to live with her and her family. I was so excited to see her because I hadn't seen her in a while. I was a junior in high school at this time and I was excited for the opportunity to go to America. I'd always been hearing about how great it is and you know how many different things you get to do there so I was really excited to go and check it out. Well everything was cool at first but then same thing, domestic abuse. I went to sleep to her screaming because her husband beat her almost every night and it was so bad. I used to sleep with a knife under my pillow. I felt so powerless because she, she never helped, she never let me help her. She didn't want my help, but you know, I guess uh, she wanted to protect me. But I vowed if he was gonna come at me like that, oh, I'd be ready for him. He made my life hell. He literally white gloved everything I cleaned and made me get up in the middle of the night with their two kids, two and one at the time, babies. What was I doing waking up in the middle of the night with babies? I had school the next day. But I used to go to school so tired, you know, because, I mean, babies need things in the middle of the night. You got to feed them. You got to change them, you know. But anyway, I digress. She loved me, and she tried to show it as often as she could. But the trauma that I experienced there outweighed the love. And again, I'm thinking I moved into a situation I didn't ask for, and I was left unprotected. And my 16-year-old self felt like, why am I here? How can you bring me from one bad situation to another? Did anyone even care enough to check to see if it was a safe place? Or did it just let me go there because she was a relative? However, as an adult looking back, she could protect me by herself at age 22. She was doing her best, and I appreciated her for that. But I thought... That was the moment of my life where I thought to myself, that will never be me. I will not have anyone treating me like that 
And if they do, I'm shutting it all the way down. But by now, I'm wondering what God plans were for me because I've been moved from the frying pan into the fire. And I was so discouraged and I felt like I was going through so much and I wasn't even an adult yet. But after a year of living there, you know, my family member decided to send me to live with another family member. And I was like, here we go again. But as before, a part of me was excited to see her because I hadn't seen her in so long. And her husband, her in-laws and friends, they welcomed me, so that was good. Things were okay in the beginning, as usual, but I was still scarred from my last experience, so my walls were way up. Then, boom, the dam broke. I was babysitting her son and saw him playing with something he was about to put in his mouth. And when I got to him, I saw that it was a rolled up dollar bill. But when I opened it, I, it had a white hard substance in it. And I thought it was sugar. But in the back of my mind, I thought, what an odd place for sugar. So I put my tongue on it and it, and it got numb. Well, that was not sugar. I had no idea what it was, but somehow I knew it was something wrong about it. So I called her at work to tell her about it. She was pissed. She left work to come home and examine it. And then at that time, she told me it was crack. Well, I lived a sheltered life, so I didn't know anything about drugs, let alone crack. So once she confronted him, there was a huge fight, which was to be expected. And then... He was out of the house. I felt like I could relax a little bit now. You know, just try and breathe and take things in and learn some new things and adapt to my surroundings. Things were rough, but we made it through. I started to feel less anxious and lonely now because I can focus on getting to know her again and maybe starting to maybe make some friends. After graduating high school, I was summoned back to St. Thomas. Long story. Once there, I tried to pick up the pieces of my life now that I was 18. I thought, yes, finally I get to do what I want. Well, I live with my parents, so that was out. You never grown living in your parents' house, I'm going to tell you that right now. Wait, not too long after I returned, I picked up a smooth-talking man with dimples. Well, he picked me up, let's just say, because I definitely was not looking. We dated for about four years before having kids. We planned to get married, but he wasn't mature enough to be the man I needed him to be. We had a daughter, and 50 months later, we had a son. Yeah, I know that's quick, but that's how I found out I was fertile. <laughs> I mean, you think after mom had nine kids and, you know, you've seen your sister having kid after kid after kid, you'd probably think, maybe genetic but I don't know I'm no doctor but dimples and I broke up yeah I call them dimples we broke up four months into the pregnancy with my son there was cheating and it was done in the most disrespectful way the moment that stuck out the most for me was during a hurricane and I remember this like it was yesterday my daughter wasn't even walking yet and I was six months pregnant with my son we were holed up in the bathroom overnight riding this storm out I, by morning, the, the floor was covered with an inch of water. For a pregnant person, that was a bad situation. It's a complete hazard. So when he came over, I thought, oh, good. Well, at least he cared enough to come check on us and help us out. You think that, right? Nope. He did not check on our daughter, 
didn't ask if I was okay, didn't ask if the baby was okay, didn't assess the house. You know what he did? He took the TV and left. Who does that? He did not protect us or even made sure we were safe. Essentially, I was left to raise two kids on my own, no support. I felt like my life was spiraling again and I felt so alone. I even contemplated giving my kids up for adoption because I felt like they deserved a mother who could give them more than I could. But God, I prayed so hard on that and God said, let me carry you. He gave me the strength to move on. Although I ate tuna fish and ramen noodles daily so I could save money for my babies, I still had to choose between pampers or gas at times. But we made it through though, barely. But I'm still grateful. I did what I thought was best for my kids and I just moved on with my life. And with renewed hope and the help of their paternal grandmother, I tried to regain some sense of normalcy and structure. Without her, I would not have made it. She was such an angel to me, rest her soul. I settled into a routine of focusing on my kids until I met my now husband. Yes, I heard that term on TV, husband. And he's like, he was my husband, so now he's my husband. Anyway, it's not my coin phrase, but I loved it. I fell out laughing, so I adopted it. So we met and fell in love. And we decided to pack my kids up and move to Illinois. It was a quick romance, but I was ready for a change. You know, after all I'd been through, I was just ready to do something new and have a new experience and maybe give my, my kids a different life. My parents were furious because at the time I was only 23 and I didn't ask their permission. Well, I didn't think I needed their permission since I was already on my own. But looking back now... I could see where they could have gotten a little concerned and upset because, as I've said, I have adult children. My youngest is 22, and if she told me she was moving to a complete different country, I would probably feel some type of way. But during the time I dated this guy, mom decided, without meeting him, by the way, that he was bad for me. Now, had she presented her foresight better, she could have saved me from years of heartache. Once we got to Illinois, things were good. Three months later, I got pregnant. Oh well, you know these things happen. Some of his family members tried to convince him that I came there pregnant. And he almost demanded a DNA test, which I promptly denied him. First off, excuse you. Secondly, I was never that girl. And thirdly, that was insulting. So... I moved on with that. I just completely took that request off the table. If he were going to do it, he would do it on his own time by himself. So I delivered her in March of 98 and we ended up getting married that November. Yeah, he got his mind together. Now, as with all things new, it was good in the beginning. We settled into married life and did family things together you know, he was so thoughtful and sweet and good to the kids. And and then, poof, he changed or took off his mask. Either way, the person I fell in love with turned into somebody I did not recognize. There was so much disrespect and hostility in the home. It's like any time I entered the house, I could feel the air was so thick. You know, it, it was just 
almost so hard to bear. We were not evenly yoked, and our marriage broke down after four short years, and it took two to get rid of them. Now, a big reason were our values were different. I'm not going to beat him down in this podcast, but the major reasons were infidelity on his part, unsolicited advice from outside influences, and he was definitely abusive towards us. I can't blame it all on him, though. You know, I also came into the marriage with a chip on my shoulder from all the abuse from my childhood, all the things that I've seen, all the feelings that I was feeling, you know, all the rage that I had, you know, all the unforgiveness, you know. I didn't have a great respect for men, but he was my husband, so I tried to make it work. I knew the basics of being married. Don't cheat. Take care of your husband and your kids. And divorce was not an option. That's what I was taught. After a year of trying to encourage him to fix things via counseling, mediation, on our own even, move out of the mistress's home, that would have been nice. You know, I sat there and I asked him, if I did all those things you did to me in this marriage, what would you do? He said he'd file for divorce. Boom, hammer down. I filed the next day. I figured if he was going to divorce me for it, then he deserved the exact same outcome. The divorce was a pivotal point in my life. It was a knockdown, drag out, complete with stalking, restraining orders for him, of course. You know, he tried to break me at every turn, you know, not helping with the kids, intimidation, dragged his knuckles on doing a parenting class. I even ended up paying for the divorce myself, but I didn't mind. That's the price you pay for freedom, honey. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is a lot, right? Yes. Yes, it is. But these experiences helped me to discover who I am as a woman. I had no control over what was happening to me at that time. I could only control how I responded. But I found my voice and I knew where my boundaries were, which led me to make major life moves as a result. The few friends I share my story with have asked me, how are you so normal going through all that? Who says I'm normal? I'm just trying to move through life like everybody else. And then I wasn't living. I was only existing. So I needed to get back to living again. And I know I needed to make some big changes so that my kids could have a normal life. I also needed to heal from all that trauma so that I could be the best mother that I needed to be for them because I can't help them if I, if I can't help myself. So my first step into taking control of my life was I turned to the source of my strength and I prayed to God. Why am I being punished? I thought I did what I was supposed to do and this person is still out to destroy me and the kids. Please order my steps. Keep us safe. Help me to be strong for them. I prayed the kind of prayer that has you crying for hours that you're so drained you fall asleep. You ever do that? Man, it was intense. I'm crying because I felt like a failure. I have these three kids depending on me and I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I didn't want to know. I couldn't fail them because they didn't sign up for this life. With my divorce, I had to show my daughters that this is not the way that 
a man should treat you in a relationship. And the lesson to my son is, that's not how you treat women. You know, you treat women with respect. I had to get things under control. So my second step, I had to set my goal plan. I didn't know many people I could trust outside of my good girlfriends. Their emotional support took me to the path, but I had to walk the journey alone. So I cried and cried and cried. And once I got done crying, I wiped my tears. I channeled all my strength on planning my new life. You never know how strong you are until being strong is all you have. I had to visualize all the things I wanted for my life to help manifest it. I put my needs first, which included a degree, a new or second job, a house, therapy for us all, and I thought a partner would be nice. For my degree, I investigated the ones where I had the option of going in physically and online. For the job, I had already spoken to my supervisor who said he put applicants in two piles, degree and no degree. He threw the ones with no degrees in the garbage. I thought that was so unfair. But if I wanted to elevate myself at work, I had to do what I needed to do. So degree it is. So until then, I looked uh, into a flexible job online so that I could stay home with the kids. My job had an employee assistance program, which included therapy, so I thought that would be good for our mental health. And finally, I got with a realtor so we can get into a house in a centralized neighborhood suitable for kids. Getting a partner, it was a need and a want, but currently I put it in a want category because, you know, I was still healing from the marriage and, you know, of course, when you get rid of one relationship, you, you know, you also reminisce on all the previous relationships that didn't go well, so... You know, I didn't want to focus on that right now. So that went into the want category. So I didn't do a lot of preparing for that outside of prayer, visualization, and strengthening my mind and heart to be open to giving and receiving love from whomever God had for me. Which brings me to my third step. I had to work that plan out. Work my plan. I enrolled in college and set a path for a bachelor's degree in business. I got the financial aid, so I wasn't stressed about that aspect, but it took me seven years, but I ended up graduating twice, when I got my associate's degree and when I got my bachelor's degree. I applied for the new position, which came with a bigger paycheck. Next came the temporary job. I worked for a company which allowed me to stay at home and set my own hours around my life. And with having three kids and three different extracurricular activities, it was perfect. I worked seven days a week, but the ends justified the means. And of course, once I received my degree, I only kept this job for a little while longer because I got the new position at work that I applied for. Yes! So, having one job allowed me to be more present for my children. Then, the kids and I began regular therapy sessions. You know, we had to go through a couple of counselors because the first one we got, you know, he just sat there and stared at us the whole time. You know, it, it's like if we didn't say anything, he didn't have anything to say. And that was so awkward. So I ended up going and getting another one that was part of the program. And she was awesome. So she was able to help us 
you know, identify our pain and move through our trauma, essentially. So we, we had our regular therapy sessions and the kids were younger. So I, I, I really wanted to make sure that they were mentally okay. I was mom, so I wasn't thinking about myself too much. But even though my divorce was trauma, I made life work by day. And I cried it all out at night if I needed to. And when a new day came, I did it all over again. And finally, the realtor that I had looked into, she found us a nice four-bedroom, two-bathroom home in an area where the kids and I would feel safe. And of course, safety is huge for me, so that was very important for us to be in that area. It was centrally located to the schools, had a parking, walking distance, done and done. And although my husband said I couldn't do it, I did, haha. So on closing day, I sat in that empty house and I thank God for smiling on us. Each child had their own space and once they got settled into that life, they started to get happy again. My baby started to smile and, you know, I really, that's the best sound in the world for me is to hear children laughing. And that was all I needed for my heart. At one point in my life, I found myself going through a divorce, working two jobs, raising three kids alone, and going to school. My new life was not easy by far, but I stayed grounded because my faith was strong. I knew God had my back. Everything didn't start or finish at the same time, but it happened right when I needed it. Now, in order to stay focused, I had to implement my fourth step. Get rid of negativity. That could include things and people. I was on a journey. And after my divorce, I sought counseling for my children and I, you know, they didn't understand everything still. But my husband and the ghosts of my past were putting all these negative thoughts in my head. He told me he would call DCFS on me if I left the kids home alone to attend school at one point. And the school was right down the street from the house. You know, I just... I, you know, and the neighbors were watching the kids. I just felt like he was jealous. He didn't want to see me happy. He didn't want to see me thriving without him. And, you know, those thoughts, I had to mute them out somehow. And amid my divorce, in the aftermath, I can hear my father's voice again telling me that I will always be from man to man. I kind of had to block those things out. So there were two things happening here. Folks who were supposed to protect me didn't, which included my parents, the teachers at school, my foster parents, my family members and their husbands, you know, the father of my children, my husband, all of them. There are moments when I thought, this is too much. I'm just one person. I can't do this on my own. Then I would look at my babies and it was as if they were my energy source. My thoughts then turned to Everything is going to be okay. You can do this. You can't fail. Your kids are looking. At this point, I adapted the theme song by Mary Mary, Can't Give Up Now. And I let that guide me. Every time I started to doubt myself, I would sing that song in my head. And to date, I still rely on that song to keep me uplifted. This brings me to my final step of taking control of my life. Protecting my peace. Now, I know some people may not think that this is an important step, but when you've been through a life that I've had, it was always unrest, always up in the air, out of control. 
I needed to protect my peace, not just for my spiritual, mental, and physical being, but so I can be more of an effective person and a better mother to my children. You can't achieve greatness if you're not mentally prepared. So I started saying no to things I would ordinarily say yes to. I started to pay more attention to my physical health and well-being. I started to stay away from any situation that would serve as negative. And this is an ongoing process. I'm still in, I'm still in that space. You know, more recently, one of those things included saying no to babysitting my little dumplings. Now, as much as I love to hear their little voices and I love to sniff them and kiss their little faces and, you know, hear them giggling, I needed to focus on not doing too much. So saying no accomplishes two things here. One, my kids are adults and they need to rise to the occasion and find resources outside of me to be sustainable in the long run. And two, I have time for doing some of the things I had put off while supporting my kids, like working out, date nights, getting back to my community projects, such as this platform, wink, wink. And I started to channel my energy into things that would make me happy. And this may sound very selfish, but you know, you have to be selfish with your life sometimes in order to pre preserve your mental health, hence protect your peace. So on my journey down that path, that's when I had met my current husband, a blessing. And I'm so at peace now because he carries most of the load and I can now focus on me and my well-being and be really consistent with it. And of course, I can focus on us. You know, he is the partner that I needed in my life all these years and I'm so grateful for him. He gave me my smile back. So today I'm in a better place spiritually, mentally, and physically, and my children are thriving, and my grandchildren are thriving. And I hope my experiences serve as an example of how you can go through the fire and still rise like a phoenix by standing strong in your faith, not giving up on yourself, and you can take control of your life. And I know my story is heavy, but trust me, I only shared key points at a high level. This is how I recreated the blueprint to my life. You may not have made the choices I have, but do you. Do what's best for you. Remember, you only have control over three things in your life. The thoughts you think, the images you visualize, and the actions you take. Whatever your decisions in life may be, make your happiness a priority. Until next time. Thank you for joining this episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Hopefully you found it to be inspiring and you've received great information you can use in your daily life. If you've enjoyed this episode, please add us to your favorites and share it with your friends. To connect with us, leave us a voice message via the link in the episode description or email us at saveoursisters2020 at gmail.com. If you would like to continue the conversation, join our Save Our Sisters group on Facebook to share your thoughts and experiences or if you just need some sisterly support. Until next time.